Good morning. How are you? Good. Okay. Um, the, the best advice about advice I've ever heard of was uh, spoken by Carl Sandburg, and he said, take no advice, including this. <laughs> I guess there'd be no point of having an academy unless you were all gathered to share stuff. So I, I shouldn't uh, uh, stop at that. Uh, I, don't ha I don't have any advice, and I also don't, like Charles Barkley, I don't believe in role models, because why should the shadow of some role model stand there and keep the sun from hitting you, you know, because you are, you are the, every person in this room is, is a role, and it's in the process of formation from the time you are born, and why should anybody uh, put a shadow on that? Um, I will share with you some stuff, though, uh, a, a little bit. Um, one thing I want to share is a concept, uh, probably that runs counter to the Constitution. In the Constitution, we hear the phrase, the pursuit of happiness. That's always bothered me. Now, I don't take much stock in Afrocentrism either, but perhaps that came down through my ancestry, uh, my African ancestry, because it is prevalent over there, or perhaps it came from my southern background, which could happen to anybody from the south, or my farm background, which could happen to anybody besides Don, uh, um, Mr. Donaldson and me, um, us farm, farm boys. It, the, it's the concept of contentment that replaces the word happiness. Um, so if, if you just, if you're con content with contentment, which is just, you know, being at ease with yourself and at ease with who you are, where you are, when you are, what drives you then? I, I would suspect, <laughs> learning from my 13-year-old boy, is curiosity. A kid who, uh, when he was a year old and sitting in front of the, uh, on the floor in front of the TV set, and all the things that Sam Donaldson and all the other great uh, comment, commenters, commentators were saying about all the important things of the world, he, he would ignore them. The minute the Ener Energizer Bunny came on the tube, though, it's like, <laughs> suddenly, that was meaningful to him. Not because it was important or more important, because it caught his curiosity. And, and I, I would suspect that, um, and, and the antithesis of curiosity, of course, is boredom. I've heard the, the phrase boredom uh, uttered a couple of times. Um, I, I guess what you should do if you're bored is take a nap or, or see a shrink, because I think there's something dangerous about uh, accepting boredom. Uh, because if you, if, you are, if, you are, if you are in the present, you will be curious about it. Um, someone said that uh, I was up in Canada last week, and uh, on location was an old friend of mine who now has children who, who are becoming actors. And uh, she had to reassess what it was all about. And she came up with the idea that um, it's about 70% is showing up in terms of being an actor and getting work and getting so-called success. It's showing up. The remaining 30% is divided between um, luck, but the curious thing about luck, it's not just something that happens like uh, in, in the horoscope. It's, it, it's, it's uh, uh, when several lines of energy meet, uh, the director, 
the writer, the producer, all those lines. And that's not really luck. That, that's something about more like fate. Uh, and the other half of the remaining 30% is talent. Um, but going back to showing up, the 70% is showing up is with all, all you have, with, with your curiosity, with your awe about life, with, with, your, you, with your awareness of yourself, with who you are, and also your awareness of your surroundings. Uh, there's a great book, and I've not read it completely, but my might shed some light. It's a book entitled, uh, Wherever You Go, There You Are. <laughs> Accepting the reality. Um, wh- why should someone be content with playing a role uh, about an old blind man with a big dog um, who has several stories about playing baseball with Babe Ruth offseason, in which he tells it in about 50 words or less. Uh, but I tell you, uh, the, the excitement of hearing kids who saw that little movie, Sandlot, and liked it, we shot it over here in Utah, in Salt Lake City, Utah, who liked it, well, that, that's enough to feed my, my contentment. Um, or who would be content with leaning into a microphone, have a sleep, saying, I have you now, Obi-Wan Kenobi. (laughs) (laughs) See what I mean? (laughs) Special effects, that's all it is. And to get that kind of uh, reaction, that that, that feeds my my contentment. Uh, it, it, It all started for me, actually, when I was in New York... And uh, not waiting for the historians to acclaim it, but there was a movement going on, a revolution in a way, actually an an evolution, where being an actor suddenly became proletarian. The only proletarian art, of all the words up here, arts, uh, you can't can't become a violinist this way. You can't become a dancer or a singer. But anybody in this room can be be an actor. That's, that's, That's how proletarian it is. I found myself in the 60s and 70s, when I first started in New York, in the middle of a, a revolution that was also uh, an international revolution. In, in England, it was referred to as the angry young men period. In, in France, it was the avant-garde period. In USA, it was the um, agitprop and, um, and, and absurdist period. It was a period where anybody could get up there without a family background of elite um, Barrymore type actors and become an actor in a world that was that was ready for Marlon Brando for instance but you notice that every almost every actor you know of came out of nowhere came from no uh, family of nobodies when I go home to Mississippi uh, they don't know how to handle it because that was not supposed to happen to anybody in our family so called success but you got to be ready for it if it happens to you. And in, in the 60s, um, I found myself in the middle of it and, and enjoying it so that I didn't need to run, I didn't need to, run to Hollywood. Uh, I missed a lot of bucks that way, a lot of bucks. And I, I, I'm now a, a um, thousandaire instead of a millionaire. <laughs> but luckily, because of my, my background, I'm content with it. And I recommend contentment very highly. That's all I have to say.
I have a question. I also am somewhat of an aspiring actress. How uh, I'm referring to the works where you didn't actually appear, but where we were just doing voiceovers. How can you um, fully express all the complexities of a character with just your voice, especially someone who doesn't have as wonderful a voice like you, but kind of a normal voice like me? You can do it, yeah. Uh, if you're referring to um, voiceover work like um, Mufasa, actually, uh, and, and uh, um, all the, um, they call it voice acting. You just keep trying it over and over again. Luckily, there's no camera running, there's no tape running, so an, an audio tape is much cheaper. You can do it all day until, until you get it right. Uh, you know. It's just a matter of just ex- experimenting and having someone who's directing you that has an idea of what they want, and they're, not, they're never sure, but they want to see what you can bring to it. And just, just keep trying things. And be, be bold. I, I, I look back on a, uh, an animation I did called The Fight of Dragons. I'm sure nobody's ever seen it. It was done for, I think, a Japanese market years ago. And I hear it, and I'm amazed at myself. I didn't know I could do things like that. I probably have forgotten how to do things like that. But uh, if, you, if you're daring enough, and, you know, when there's nobody watching you, you can be very daring in front of a microphone. You can imagine Whoopi Goldberg freaking out as a, as a hy- uh, hyena in the Lion King. No shame. No shame. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, um, Mr. Jones, my name is Rashida Fatuga, and I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. And um, I wanted to know, I know that I'm trying to um, start singing professionally, and I haven't gotten there yet, of course, but um, a lot of times, because the competition is so hard, I get down a lot, and I don't know how to keep going or what to do, and I get nervous still, even though I've done little things here and there. And I wondered if you still get nervous when you're um, acting, and what you do to keep yourself going? That's a great question. Uh, uh, yes, we, we all do. I'm nervous right now, but I wouldn't call it nervousness. Uh, your body gives you a, a, a shot of adrenaline, and that, that adrenaline is there to serve you, hopefully. Sometimes it can trip you up, and as a stutterer, boy, can, am I easily tripped up, as you've noticed already. But to be here uh, in Sun Valley uh, and to look across a room and see people you, you know and you didn't know, expect to see them, that you have always wanted to know, people you've, you've known of, is, one, is, a, is a great thrill. It's a bit overwhelming for me, you know. And so, yes, it, it, does, it does create, it's not even anxiety. It creates an, an, uh, a boost of energy. Just, just learn how to exploit it, you know, if you can. One more question, please. My name is Chris Hart, and I'm from South Dakota. And... Uh, I just, as I go through every day and I meet so many different people, I can't help but take something from each person and the, and the encounter that I have with each person and implement it into my own life and, and kind of help to make myself. And, and as you're acting, you seem to get so engulfed by your characters and it almost seems to take over your body. How can you, do, are you felt, do you feel like after you're done with being a character, like you take something from that character and make it part of your own life? And it's, Yeah, uh, hopefully it never gets that selfish. Because you, you are, you are in, in the gathering, and I, I think uh, the movies I'm, I most cherish are the ones where we gather together, not for anybody to star, but like a Field of Dreams, for instance, where you gather to, to t- help, help tell a story. And it's, it's never anything you do by yourself. So you, when, you, when, you, uh, when you energize your, your character, it's in relationship to other characters. When you step out of it, you're, you're out of it. You know, you're, you're back to yourself. Uh, is, is, is that your question? Again, say it again, please. 
was I was just uh, wondering if you you pretty much answered it. You just said it didn't. You don't take parts of your characters with you as you as you go after you're finished with with being like like in Field of Dreams. When you're done with that that character, you don't find yourself doing something that uh, that character uh, would do uh, or, or acting like that character would or, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I, I thought you meant the, the, the psychotic end of it where you, you, you can't like, you know, what, what's the great, what's the great uh, double life, you know, the man playing Othello goes home and kills his wife. And, uh, uh, no, uh, the other end of that is, is something wonderful. Uh, you are, you're informed by all your characters, especially the things that are well-written. You're, you're informed by uh, the, the, the author's vision. You're informed by the relationship between, between human beings that you might never, ever meet in your life. You're informed by ideas that you might, you would get arrested for if you tried them out in, in real life, you know. You're informed by all that. And, and yeah, I, I, I come away enriched by my characters, yeah. And that, that's wonderful, yeah. Thank you very much.